Hey everyone, let's talk about letting go of a good thing. So who here knows the big bookshelf that's um, it's upstairs in the youth room at Cross of Life? Anyone know it? It's made of solid wood, it's painted black. It's one of those cube shelves, like the open face cube shelves. Um, so six feet tall by six feet wide, it's got 16 squares. And who here has gone shopping in a store before? Anyone? Any of you ever gone shopping with a kid? It's fraught with perils, as you know. And what's the most dangerous part of the shopping trip if you're with a kid? It's the checkout line, right? And they put those shelves uh, right there in the line with all these little tchotchkes and candies that are all at eye level and arm's reach of a kid in a cart. And you have to stand right there, captive audience, as you're waiting in line. And who here remembers all the great questions that your pastors have raised in our sermons over the years? You all do, right? Pastor John asked a question in a sermon one time that I think of a lot. He asked, can you think of a time when you got exactly what you wanted and how did that turn out? Okay, so keep all of these things in mind. Keep the shelf and the tchotchkes and Pastor John's question in your mind all for a minute. Um, and then imagine this. So you're a parent. And you want to get your kid a gift and not just any gift, but a super cool gift. One they will love and use all the time and will last forever. So you decide you're going to get them a bright red dodgeball. Who doesn't love a dodgeball, right? They're like the best and you're really excited about this idea and you are excited to get your kid this dodgeball. And so um, you go to the store with them yeah, and you've made it in the door of the store, but before you can make it um, through the store to the beautiful display of dodgeballs uh, that's in the back of the store, your kid gets distracted by all those little tchotchkes uh, up at the front by the cash register, and they just have to have that helicopter G.I. Joe or whatever it is. It's, it's total garbage. It's going to break in five seconds, you know, but your kid wants it so much. And so even though you, the parent, know that this beautiful rack of dodgeballs, it's right around the corner, but there's your kid. They're throwing a fit at the front of the store. The cashier's looking at you like, you monster. It only costs a dollar and you cannot get your kid to even hear you over their yells, let alone trust you when you tell them you want to give them something so much better. So that was the premise for a vignette that we did at church a few years ago. Does anyone remember that one, the dodgeball skit? Um, a vignette is like, it's like a skit that we do from time to time in place of the sermon. Um, so that was the plot of the vignette was, you know, trying to give your kid a dodgeball. Um, but here's what happened as we were getting ready to like um, perform the vignette that weekend. So if you know me, you know, anytime we do a vignette, I am all about the costumes and I'm all about the props. So for this particular vignette, I was scheming before the weekend, like how could we create this scene of the dodgeball store? And what did I immediately think of? What did I, what was my vision? That big black shelf in the youth room. It's like, this is perfect. We will put a brightly colored dodgeball in each square of the shelf and it will be a beautiful display case for our vignette with a perfect visual. So I run down the stairs and I grab John or Matt or whoever my poor vignette co-actor was that weekend and I drag them up and I stand them right in front of the shelf and I say just look at it isn't this perfect it's the perfect dodgeball display case and John or Matt or whoever the unfortunate soul was looks at the six foot by six foot giant shelf and then they look at the clock and then they look at me and then they said something completely ridiculous like 
Couldn't we just set a dodgeball on the altar? Now, at first, even in the face of their appalling lack of vision, I was undeterred. Um, and I set about like moving furniture and measuring doorways and drawing diagrams. But finally, uh, after a long time of researching elevator weight restrictions, I finally gave in. I resigned myself to doing the vignette without the shelf. But you know what I was thinking all weekend. Every time we did that vignette, I was so grumpy because all I could think about was, man, this would be so much cooler if we had the giant shelf of dodgeballs behind us. It's hard to let go of a good thing. When Jesus shows up on the scene, um, the Jewish people are being occupied again by a foreign power again um, throughout their whole history. Uh, they've been under the thumb of one empire and another. First Egypt, then Assyria, then Babylon, then Persia, then Greece, now Rome. Uh, here and there, they've had a few centuries of peace. Uh, there's a brief stretch. Hi, Manny. Can you hear his claws clicking? There's a brief stretch of peace under the monarchies of Saul and David and Solomon. Uh, there's an even briefer stretch after the Maccabean revolt that we celebrate at Hanukkah. Um, but for the most part, their history um, has been just being um, oppressed by nearby bigger powers who invade and kill and destroy and control, limit their movements, gobble up their resources, impose their will and their laws and their taxes. Um, honestly, it's, it's like the same pattern we still see today, just with reverse roles, like might is right. And into all those experiences of violence and powerlessness, the Jewish scriptures have always still spoken of God's salvation. So people have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for a leader to come, an exceptional leader, a God-chosen leader, one who can defeat their enemies and set them free, finally. Um, and then Jesus shows up. And he's clearly exceptional. And he sure seems to be God-chosen. And so people start to get excited, right? Like, this guy can heal people with one touch. What are all the chariots of Rome against a power like that? So crowds are gathering and momentum is growing. And right when it seems like things are starting to heat up, Jesus tells them that he's going to die. And not just die, but be killed by the same Romans that these people are gearing up to fight under his leadership. So, of course, Peter protests right? Don't say things like that. You are the Messiah. You are the one who will restore the fortunes of Israel, defeat our oppressors, restart the monarchy, reunite the divided kingdoms, restore our former glory. The revolution is at hand. What does Jesus say to all of that? Get behind me, Satan. Ouch. But even when Jesus isn't being that critical, what does he say first? What does he say earlier um, in this chapter, constantly throughout Mark's gospel, whenever Jesus has just done something big and miraculous, what does he always say in the gospel of Mark? Don't tell anyone. Why? Why? Why does Jesus tell the crowds not to spread the word when he heals them of their illnesses? Why does Jesus tell the demons to not say anything about him when he kicks them out of the people that they are afflicting? Why does Jesus tell the parents not to say anything when he brings back to life their 12-year-old daughter? Why does Jesus tell the disciples not to say anything when they are starting to realize how much power and authority he actually has? Why? It's not false modesty. It's because any retelling that focuses on Jesus and his abilities misses the point. 
it's because Jesus is more than a miracle worker. And because as Mark tells it, this story is not even ultimately about Jesus. It's supposed to be about us. Because the most extraordinary thing about Jesus is not the miracles that he makes happen, but that he gives all of us the power to do everything he can and more. Or maybe like shows us that we've had that power all along. And it's not a power that conquers enemies or rules over kingdoms or evades death. It's the power of servant love. Ugh, poor Peter. Dreams die so hard, don't they? Especially when they're good dreams. Sometimes it's hard to let go, especially of a good thing. Uh, This is not the version of salvation he was expecting. It's not what he wanted. Um, and actually, it's a version of the faith that's it's bigger. It's bigger than anyone's own personal salvation. It's bigger than the political fortunes of any one country. Um, it's a faith that's about nothing less than saving, redeeming, and making new the entire world. Um, and it's one that draws us in to be part of making that happen. To be honest, I'm not entirely sure that's good news. Right? A savior who swoops in and saves the day, like, that doesn't sound that bad. Um, That would certainly be much more convenient uh, and much less work than one who gives us the messy and unglamorous and uncomfortable work of doing it ourselves. Um, Because Jesus uh, is a God who who charges us by the power of God in us um, to pull each other up out of the graves that we dig. Dirt still on our fingernails charges us to stand shoulder to shoulder with people with whom we have absolutely nothing in common uh, except a genuine desire for the other's well-being. Calls us to not flee death or skirt around death, um, but just take each other by the hand and walk forward towards it together, trusting that uh, with our God, this isn't the end. It's just the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. Uh, Calls us to be driven less by our wants more driven by the world's needs. Um, Challenges us to let go of our plans and get swept up into God's plan and then to find that in letting go of what we thought we wanted from life, we we find more life than we ever could have imagined possible. Those who lose their life will save it. That's our call. That is our salvation. Ah, Jesus. Sometimes I wish you could have just been a miracle worker. Forget about the dodgeballs. Let us buy the darn tashkis. I wanted that shelf. But friends, this is what ultimately saves us. Not to see the miracle, but to be the miracle. So, may we have the courage to dream big dreams and the even greater courage to know when it's time to let them go. May we trust that in our end is our beginning, that there's more to life than we can see right now. Um, May we come to realize that Jesus is more than a miracle worker. And the greatest miracle of all is uh, what God can do in us. May we see that miracle in others and be it ourselves.